If I were to ask you, what's taking place in the United States of America that would cause you to be upset right now? Maybe disturbed or a little frustrated, maybe depressed. What would your answer be? Why don't you think about this, okay? What issues are pressing on your heart right now, causing you to waver, to question, or boil? What topics are being discussed, and you can't help but ask God, hey God, what's going on here in America? What would those topics be? I'm going to open this up for discussion right now, or at least for answers. So you tell me. Just sort of raise your hand. Tell me some of those topics that you're like, what is going on? This, you, you question. You're just like, what, what is this? Yeah. Okay, the Supreme Court ruling recently was uh, same-sex marriage. Okay. What else? What other, what other things have been happening around the United States? You sitting here and going, what? I don't, I don't get it. What's going on? It's, it's upsetting me. It's disturbing me. It's frustrating me. It's causing me to question things. Who else? Yeah. The Confederate flag issue. Okay, good. What else? Racism issues, ethics, okay. What else? Yeah. Legalization of drugs, okay. Good. What else? Now do me a favor. We've, we've had about four or five given. Now, for all of you didn't say anything, did somebody take your answer? Did you hear something that sort of, that, oh yeah, yeah, now you mentioned it. Yeah, it's sort of, I wonder about that. Do me a favor. Let's just all raise your hands. Let's see, we're all in the same boat here. Issues? Look at that. Yeah. See? Some of you didn't want to say anything, but other people did. Thank you for, for saying that. But yeah, we're, I think we could all sit here this morning and say, what's going on? Okay, now here's the thing, though. As Christians, guess what? We don't remove ourselves from that. We don't live in our own little Christianville. When I went to Taylor University and I graduated from there, I was thinking, if only I could take all my friends from Taylor and live in a little city called Taylorville. All oh, happy Christians. Nothing comes in and interrupts our way of life. But here's the deal. We, that doesn't happen. That, that can't happen. We are here in this world, and we're sort of mixed in with everything that's going on. So whether, and, and here's some of the things. You know, I, I, I wrote down a list. Uh, the same-sex marriage and Supreme Court ruling. Identity issues. Uh, Bruce Jenner and transgenderism, okay? Worshiping sports as idols. Happiness versus holiness, uh, the value of life, whether it be uh, abortion or suicide or whatever it may be. Uh, Bible, or I'm sorry, biblical confusion. Um, Chad preached on, on uh, talking about God's children, and I've, I hear all the time, well, we're all God's children, are we? You preached on that. Um, does Old Testament no longer apply? I hear some people say, you got to live in the New Testament. Get out of the Old how about the violence, the, the church burning in, in Charleston and, and uh, the Confederate flag issue? There, there's so much, you know, and again, what does the Bible say about these things? What does God's holy word say about these? Some people are like, well, that's ancient writings, so that really doesn't apply to today's issues. Can I say something? Sin is sin, and the heart of sin took place back, if you want to go back to Genesis, okay? Everything that's happening today is nothing new. It's just maybe packaged a little differently. But the heart of it, God speaks to that. We definitely want to be relevant with what's going on. As a church, as God's people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we need to know what God has to say about this and how 
we relate to what's going on in this world and understanding that God's world is, word is relevant to what is happening and understanding what's going on in our world and yet connected to what God has to say about such things is of great importance. So I plan to address this in two weeks. Um, next week, I said we're going to have uh, the Philly team share and a few other things about next week, but then after that, we're going to dig right into a lot of these things that I just mentioned. But I've got to set the stage today as to how we're going to approach all this. Uh, before we can honestly, honestly discuss the topics, we better know where we stand. Okay? So do me a favor. Would you all please stand for me? So you're all standing out, right? Okay, and you're like, okay, why are we doing this? Because I want you to understand something, okay? I'll, see how you get your feet. I want you to make sure they're like about shoulder width apart. Get your feet nice and firm, okay? You can't have your feet too close together, okay? Because if you do, put your feet close together. Somebody next to you can push you and you can fall over real quick, right? So you have to have a good, firm foundation to stand, correct? Okay? And if you know you're going to be standing for a while, like we're going to sing how many worship songs in a row? Whew, better stand get ready to stand for it, right? Okay? You've got to have a firm foundation for standing. Everybody got that picture now in your mind? Okay, you can have a seat. And now grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. Get past Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. All those little books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay. You get to 1 and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy during a very difficult season in Timothy's ministry. Um, a few years earlier, picture had been radically different. At the time, the, the church of, of Ephesus was growing, and uh, it was thriving. Timothy was a young new pastor. The church loved him. You know, he used to get a new pastor in. He's like, oh, we love him. He's a new pastor. He's, he's awesome. Early years were fun and eventful. Everything was moving. What an exciting time to be a Christian leader. But by the time the book 2 Timothy was written, things had changed in the church. Matter of fact, the situation was drastically different for the pastor because of what was happening around him in the city. Nero had become the Roman emperor who was already wreaking havoc in the lives of countless believers, especially in Rome. As for Ephesus, it was one of the most pagan cities in Asia Minor. Now, Christians who lived in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, often endured bouts of intense persecution by the Roman government, they tried to scare them into abandoning their Christian faith and return them to their pagan temples. Sound familiar? Should. As a result of the hard times, a lot of people in their faith did a couple things. Some of them died for their faith. They were willing to put their life on the line for their faith. Others defected from the church. They returned back to the temple livings of of the pagan life. And as if all these hardships and disappointments weren't enough to deal with, Timothy also had to deal with internal problems within the church. Timothy, as a pastor, was struggling. So Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy because Timothy wrote to Paul, listen to all the difficulties I'm facing here with the government and causing the people in the church to side one way or another in their faith and some people are standing strong and some people are giving up and, and I got this problem within the church 
Paul says, let me write you another letter. So he wrote 2 Timothy. And then his response, we're going to go to the final chapter so we can just sort of uh, catch with uh, the very end of this. Starting in verse 1, chapter 4, we'll read through uh, verse 5. And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be persistent, whether time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires. They'll look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They'll reject the truth. They'll follow strange myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. Let me hear you say work. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry that God has given you. Now, I don't think it's an accident that last night I sat down and was talking to Colin about their mission trip. And he was telling me about, as they were out in the park one night, sharing their faith with homeless people and sharing with people in the park, that they encountered a man. Um, Jamie, were you with them in that? Um, and Luke, I believe. Uh, the three of you had a conversation with a gentleman who said that they were all wrong in what they believed. And Colin shared with me different things that this gentleman believed, and it was all over the book. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking here going, keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering. Um, I'm sorry, let me back up. Um, they will follow their own desires, look for teachers who tell them whatever they want to hear. They reject truth, and they follow strange myths. And does that not sound like the gentleman you spoke to? Um, and I'm sitting there saying, but that's this world right now. There's great teaching, and then there's false teaching going on. And, and some people sort of pick and choose, and then they put it into their own little teachings and worldly system. And, and Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, be aware of this, be careful of this. But look at verse 2 with me. Paul says this, preach the word of God. Now, some of you in your, in your translations, it may say something different. This may say, be prepared whether time is favorable or not. Maybe it says, preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. Depending on which translation you're reading from, but let's do this. Understand where it says, be prepared or be instant. Let me tell you what this means. That word, the Greek word for instant or prepared is epistemi, okay? It's a compound of the word of epi and istemi put together. The first part of that word epi means um, upon. And the word is to me means to stand. So when you compound those two words together and bring them together as the Greek did here, there's a new word which means to stand upon. To have that firm foundation as I had you all stand, okay? And it really was a term borrowed from the military, meaning to stand at your post and to not abandon it. So if you're in the military and you were ordered to hold your post, and to not move, you as a soldier, you in the military understood, I'm not moving. I will stand my ground right here where I've been ordered to stand. That's the word that Paul's using here. He's saying, listen, I want you to, I want you to preach. I want you to grab God's word, and I want you to stand upon it. 
You follow me so far on what, what he's saying? For Timothy, his post was the pulpit of his ministry. From the pulpit, he maintained leadership. He imparted vision. He issued rebukes. He taught. He preached the word of God to those that were in his church. He brought correction. It was his post. No one else could stand in that position because it was the position that was assigned to him by God to be there and to make that post. Now, even though times were very tough, he may have been tempted to ignore his responsibility or he heard weird teachings going on around him and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to resign. I'm going to go work for you know, Burger King or something and just flip burgers because it's so much easier than trying to teach people God's word, right? He could have done that. But Paul urged him, stay at your post. Be instant. Be prepared. Hold your ground. Now notice that Paul told him to be faithful in his post when? In season and out of season. Or when the time is favorable or not favorable. Now again, in the Greek, it looks like a, a play on words. When you're in season or out of season, it looks like a very um, literal uh, or a, a type of literature of a play on words. But it's a very powerful statement. See, the word in season, again, comes from a couple Greek words. Um, eucharos, okay? So eucharos is the word for that first part being in season, and then the words out of season comes from the word akaros. Now, the kuros and both words, you can hear them, eukaros and akaros. The only thing that changes are two letters, eu in front of one, a in front of the other. Now, I want you to understand this because of the similarity here. The kiros is the Greek word that means seasons or times, and it can be altered just by two letters. If you put the EU in front of it, eukaros, it's a favorable time, it's a good time, it's a happy time. But if you take those two letters off and you put the A in front of it, akiros, all of a sudden you have a bad time. Isn't it amazing that at the flip of a switch, life can go from good to bad for all of us? We can have really good times and just one little thing happens, all of a sudden everything's bad. Or you can have a really bad day and just one little thing happens and all of a sudden it's really good. A slight something changes everything, right? And in the same way in Scripture here, just two letters get changed and we're talking good times, bad times. But as Timothy, I'm sorry, as Paul's writing this, I think it's important that we understand that again he's trying to say, hey, Timothy, 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 listen, listen, stand your post. Stand your post. Because you know how quickly things can change in life. You can have a really good day or a really bad day, and suddenly it just goes the opposite, right? So stand your ground. Have God's Word as your foundation, because when life changes from good to bad or bad to good, guess what doesn't change? Where you're standing. Hey, Timothy, take a firm stand. Resolve to stay at your post. Regardless of whether times are good or bad, that's your post. That's your place of responsibility. Do not move from it. When the government makes a decision, when your neighbors make a decision, when your family makes a decision, when you make a bad choice, guess what? Guess what does not change? What should not change? Your foundation. It should never change. Because that foundation is dug in, firm stand on God's word. Now, this was just a word Timothy needed to encourage him at that point in time in his life and leadership to stand tall. Maybe that's the word we need today. Maybe we need to understand, you know what? 
I'm giving a shout out to all of you right now to stand tall, to stand firm in God's truth, in God's word. You know, for Timothy, his struggles passed. He became the respected leader of a Christian in a region of Asia Minor. In the years that he served as a senior pastor at Ephesus, Timothy had all different kinds of seasons, good, bad. But regardless, he stayed his post to the very end. He stayed his post to the very end. Let me ask you this. Let's pause for a second here, okay? What kind of season are each of you in right now? A good season? A bad season? In between seasons? Are you experiencing hard times? Are you having, uh, just, everything's just wonderful right now. I loved your picture of uh, the feet, sort of feet kicked back in your backyard with a coffee cup. It's like, man, that feels like a good season right now. You're enjoying things. But let me ask you this, what are you doing in hard times? Are you going to remain steadfast and standing firm when times aren't as good? When you face difficult times, when issues of today arise and cause your emotions to ebb and tide, will you remain faithful? You know, we see this in church. Somebody doesn't like a decision that's made in church, and all of a sudden, like, I'm out of here. I don't like what's going on at work. I'm out of here. I don't like what's going on in my marriage. I'm out of here. Where's the stand firm in all this? There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect jobs. There are no perfect relationships. We only serve a perfect God. And God asks us in those moments, stand firm. Stand firm. Take Paul's words to Timothy and apply them to yourself. It's not a time for us to run in fear. We look at maybe decisions that are being made, and again, we start off and said, tell me what's bothering you right now, what's frustrating you through this world, okay? And you came up with the same answers that I came up with, okay? And here's the deal. As Christians, guess what we don't do? We don't run in fear. The Supreme Court makes a ruling. We don't run in fear. Something tragic or crazy happens. It's like, what's going on? We don't run in fear as Christians. We don't look for someone else to take our place. This is not like a tag team. Like, okay, Sam, you're in, you're in for me now. Good, you're up to preach. Go for it. Yeah. I'm tired of preaching. I can't do it. Sam, you do it for me, okay? You could do it, couldn't you? Yeah, you could do it. Absolutely. In season, out of season. You're ready. Okay, good. God calls us to stand firm. Now, there might be times when you need help, and I'll grab somebody to stand with me. Yes, absolutely. But God calls us, if he's called us especially to a post, it's time for us to dig in and stand firm and resolve that I'm going to be faithful whether times are good or bad. And I believe God's called his church in times like today to stand firm, to stand tall, and regardless of what's going on around us. I don't believe God said, you know what, as a church, why don't you all just back up and be quiet, don't say anything. And, and, and oh, hey, or why don't you do this? Or why don't, I think God just wants us to stand firm on his word. The question is, do we know his word? Let me ask you something. This, is, this was brought up. There's been growing tension over the years concerning the Confederate flag, okay? It's a piece of history, and yet also a symbol of many things, including slavery and hatred. Now listen, but do we really know what the Confederate flag stands for? I have to ask that. You see, when the flag came down from the South Carolina State House, some people celebrated and other people demonstrated. The crazy thing is, some of those people are all in the same camp. They're all believers in Christ. But yet, emotions were split. So who's right? And who's wrong? 
For those who picked up the flag and they waved it, they put it on maybe their, their truck or their car, they hung it in their yard, they flaunted it with pride. And then the flag came down and other people were supported and very of it and excited about it. And we see many who choose to fly that flag. They, listen, they picked a side and they decided to stand. Whether they're right or wrong, they decide to stand. We see that, right? The Supreme Court ruled that same-sex marriage is legal. There's a battle right now for family rights and biblical standards, and they collided. And out of celebration, a law is passed. People put rainbow pictures on their social media, their outlets, they wear shirts, they get bumper stickers, other forms of advertisement, in form of what they support or they don't support. Whether it's right or wrong, here's the deal. They stood on what they believed to be true. I can go on and on with all these issues. Regardless, here's the thing I want you to hear. People are going to stand on what they believe to be true, whether it's right or wrong. Everybody understand that? I think that's what's frustrating as a Christian because you'll look on somebody's blog or their post or a comment made or their opinion, and they're stating their opinion because they are so firm on what they believe. They stand for something, and they voice their opinion, and then the problem is, is that we look at Christians and the opinions are split. And we scratch our head and say, this doesn't make sense. Shouldn't we all be standing together? But here's the problem. People also say this, I love Jesus Christ as my Savior and God. And I wear a shirt, I got a bumper sticker, I, you know, I go to church, I go on a mission trip. But do they really know what it means to be a follower of Christ? Because again, in their opinion stated, it sounds like they're not believing the same thing. Do not be ignorant of the things around us. We must study and learn and understand what we stand for. Once we understand the meaning behind something, then we have to make a choice. And here's what I want you to hear. God's word first. Look at the person next to you and say, God's word first. Because the problem is, we look at the issues around us, we make a decision, and then we go to God's word and say, God, support this. Or there's got to be a verse here to support what I believe. I'm, I'm sure there is a verse in here somewhere. Instead of going to God's word first, seeing what God has to say, and then come to the issue and say, here's what I believe on that issue, according to what God's word first. And sometimes we flip it around. We make our opinion and our choice because we don't want to hurt a family friend, and we don't want to hurt our co-worker's opinion, and we don't want to sound stubborn or illogical, so we side one way or the other, and we're not sure where we really stand. And then we find scripture to back us up, and God's... God's word first. Maybe you've studied and you're still confused. So what do you do next? Let me ask you this. Have you talked to somebody else who has studied God's word? Have you spoken to God? Have you asked God's spirit to lead you in taking action or using words or remaining silent at the time? God's spirit will lead you. He will convict you. He will correct you. That's what God's Spirit does. Turn with me to John chapter 14. 
If you're in 2 Timothy, head back towards the beginning of the New Testament. Go to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, remember Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. He just washed their feet. He's, he's talking to them. He's sharing with them. John chapter 14. He says this in verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father. He'll give you another counselor, an advocate, who will never leave you. Who is this? Who is, okay, Jesus, like, listen, I want to give somebody that's going to stay with you. He's going to counsel you. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be with you. It's like, who is it? Who is it? Look at verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all What's that next word? Truth. The world at large can't receive him. The world, by the way, that's cosmos, that's, that's, that's unbelievers, that's ungodly multitude, okay? The, that world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him. But you do. Why? Because you're a believer in tr Jesus Christ. Because he lives with you now and will later be in you. See, when we pray, God, your spirit within me and resides in me, lead me in truth, God. May your spirit speak to me as I read your word. Help me to understand what I'm reading. May your spirit give me insight and direction, conviction into what I'm reading. Because the opinions of everybody else around you is going to be really, really loud, and you need God to speak louder than everybody else around you. Listen, we have an audience of one, and that is God. But we must also realize that our actions, our actions may encourage or discourage other believers in Jesus Christ. There's various opinions on who Jesus was when he walked the earth. Do you remember that? Some people thought he was a prophet. Oh, you're just a good prophet. Some people thought Jesus was a great teacher. Some people thought he was demon-possessed. Some people thought Jesus was somebody who'd come back from the dead, an Old Testament prophet, maybe come back. Various opinions about who Jesus Christ is. But what did the disciples say? You are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The disciples nailed it, and the disciples then what? Went on to change this world. The church is who it is now because of the disciples, because they understood who Jesus Christ was. They knew, they understood. We need to know God. We need to know His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. We need to know His Holy Spirit. We need to know Him intellectually, personally, and spiritually, as defined by God's Word, not man's opinion. Well, who do you think Jesus Christ is? You know what? Thank you for sharing your opinion. But this is where we find truth. Let me hear you say truth. This is what we stand firm on. I cannot come and stand before you as a pastor and say, we're going to talk about what the Supreme Court ruled without first standing on God's word. I cannot preach that to you until I first stand on God's word firmly. I cannot come up here and talk to you about identity issues and gender trans transgenderism issues uh, worshiping sports as idols or happiness, holiness, abortion, suicide, false teaching, who are God's children, who are not God's children, violence, ethnic issues. I can't preach on any of that, neither should anyone ever else preach on that until they first stood on God's word. Otherwise, it's false teaching. That's why you need to pray for me as I search God's word that I am not preaching falsely to you. And I hope and pray as a church body, you are in God's word, studying and learning right along with me. So that when I preach something, you're able to say this, amen. So be it. I agree. Why is that? Because we are agreeing on what God's word says. Because God's spirit has spoken to us and says, this is what I meant. And if we're not standing firm on God's word, it's time we stand firm on God's word. Amen? So let's study God's word and stand firm. I'm not, listen, 
I'm not taking this up and trying to get all military-like, okay? Uh, we were talking about this in staff, saying our next series, I don't even want to call it a series. But I said, it needs to be stand firm. And then it's like, whoa, whoa is that like, like militarist? Like, you know, get all rabbled up and radical? No, no. What I mean is we got to start standing firm on what is true. I'm saying no God's word. Refuse the false teachings of this world right now. I'm going to need some help here, okay? Um, I'm going to need all five of you right here in the front, okay? And uh, if you could just sort of spread out, a couple over here and maybe a couple over here and right there, okay? Just sort of spread out. You're like, oh, great. Thanks for including me. No idea this is coming. I need a couple of you over here, too. And definitely spread out. You're too, all a little too close to each other there. So you sort of stag yourself. Somebody can come up this way. Good. And now let's see. Uh, Luke, why don't you come right up here? Colin, step back that way. Okay, good. Very good. Okay. So here's what I want you to see, okay? It's sort of like this. It's a picture of a basketball player basically keeping what's called a pivot foot. Now, if what you know about basketball is this, I'm going to be dribbling the basketball, and I'm going to go towards the hoop to score. And I'm going to keep dribbling the basketball, and I can move as long as I'm dribbling the basketball, okay? But as soon as I pick up the ball, I'm not allowed to move anymore. Now, I can keep one foot still. It's got to stand firm in one spot. But I can still pivot around with my other foot so that I can, you know, sort of think maybe, well, okay, he was open, but... Well, maybe I want to go this way and pass it, okay? But you see this foot is still standing firm, but this foot here is pivoting around. So if I want to pass it all the way over, I can, okay? Great thing is, I, oh, he's, he's cut off. There you go, Mason's open. Mason is, I wanted you to score, but okay, never mind. So I just want to keep moving around, okay? But see, I'm, I never picked up this foot. Everybody understand that? Okay, so again, if you're not a basketball player, I just want you to understand, one foot's going to stand firm, this foot can now pivot. I can't go, now here's the deal, if I decide to pick up that foot and start going, thank you, Roger, it's traveling. Roger, have you ever done that before? Yeah, yeah, we've all done, okay. So that's traveling, which means, uh-oh, I just made an error for my team. Now I gotta give the ball to the opponent. Now the opponent can score on me. Everybody follow me? Now spiritually speaking, I want you to understand this. I am called, as you are called, to advance the gospel, to take God's love, grace, and truth forward in life, to score for God, right? Okay, we want to do great things for God. So I'm going to take his grace, I'm going to take his love, I'm going to take his truth and advance it forward in, into his kingdom. Problem is, every now and then, I, I, maybe this is all the further I'm going today. Something caused me fear, doubt, to sort of stop where I'm at. So what am I going to do with God's love, grace, and truth right now where I'm at? Well, I know this. I don't want to fail God and travel. So I'm going to make sure I stand firm on God's truth, his truth, his truth alone. I'm going to take his love and grace and truth. I'm going to pass it to my Christian brother who may need help. Okay? And then he may be passing it to me because every now and then I need to receive God's love, grace, and truth as well. And I might go to another brother and say, here, this is for you. I want to make sure you know that God loves you. And I might go to another brother and say, Okay, this might be somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they need to hear truth. And I'm looking at that person instead of judging them and saying, that person is going to hell because they're sitting here and sitting there and they're doing this. It's, that's not the way Christians are supposed to. Christians are supposed to take God's truth and love and say, brother, I know you're struggling. I want you to know who Jesus is. And hopefully he continues to share it. 
and I go to my Christian sister and say, I want you to know the grace of God is incredible. And I want you to know this. Truth is what we stand on. Is everybody following me on this? Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you. Here's the deal. I, I, I want you to understand this. When I stop studying God's word, when I stop standing firm on his word, guess what it's going to be? It's a turnover. I've blown it. Now I've given the opportunity for our opponent, the devil, to take advantage of me and score on me. That's why I stand firm. I stand planted on truth. Now I can take God's love to those who are struggling with the same sex issue, to those who are struggling with transgenderism, to those who are struggling with abortion or with drugs or whatever it may be that we sit here and label firm on God's word, I can take his truth, love, and grace and say, I see you're struggling. Let me share truth with you. Let me share God's love with you. Let me share God's grace with you. Because why? Because somebody shared it with me. It's awesome to be on God's team and be a part of what he's called us to do. But we must continue to advance the gospel forward. We as a church can't sort of say, well, let's just hide in our own little church here. And, and just whatever happens, happens. But we'll continue to worship together and, and Whatever's going on out in this world, oh, it's sort of scary out there, but we'll just stay together. No, no, no. God wants us to advance the gospel into what's going on right now in this world. But we can only do it if we're standing firm on his word. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, you can turn there if you want, but in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and there he was tempted by the devil. And when he it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. He became hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said, if you are the son of God, if, as if, okay. Doesn't the devil do a good job of tempting us? If you're the son of God. What do you mean if you're, he is the son of God? But the devil always wants to tempt us with doubt. Oh, if you really are a Christian. What do you mean if I, I am a Christian. I am a believer in Christ, right? If you truly are the son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him what? No, what? The scriptures say. What did Jesus do? Jesus stand firm on truth, on what the scriptures say, on the very words of God. He stood. Satan went on again. The devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels and protect you. What did Satan do? Well, let me take some scriptures. But he twisted it. And Jesus said, uh-uh, uh, the scriptures also say, boom, temptation number two, chopped down by truth. Verse 8, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it to you, as if he owned it. If you'll kneel down and worship me, Jesus looked at Satan and said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, see, every time Satan came at Jesus, what did Jesus do? He stood firm on scripture and he put it back into Satan's face. Ah, the scriptures say, I must keep one foot grounded in God's truth so that I can love others, I can pray for others, I can share truth with others. Whether they're believers in Jesus Christ or not, I am commanded by God to go out and be his witness, to be his salt, to be his light. And so are you. This church must be grounded on biblical truth. We must stand firm on biblical truth. Before I preach about various topics that surround us, 
two weeks, I'll be standing up here and I'm going to talk to you about what the Supreme Court ruling, what took place, how that affects us as a church, how that affects me as a pastor, how that affects us as Christians. I'm going to share about that. And how am I going to do this? With opinion? No. Standing firm on God's truth. I'm going to share with you because that's how we roll. Our teachings, how we respond, must be grounded in biblical truth. Do me a favor. Go to our website, tnchurch.org. You want to know what we believe? We believe in God. There's only one eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who's the creator of all things. We believe in Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, lived a sinless life, died to make atonement for our sins for all mankind. That's what we believe about Jesus Christ. Resurrected, now meteor at the right hand of God. He's coming again in power and glory for all believers. Only Savior of mankind. We believe in the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin. Righteousness, judgment, regenerating within us all who repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He sanctifies, He empowers, He teaches, He guides, and He comforts believers. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. We believe in the Bible. The Bible is inerrant. No errors in here. Divinely inspired Word of God. Authoritative in all matters that it addresses. We believe in salvation. There's only one name under heaven by which we are saved, and that is Jesus Christ. Salvation is the result of genuine repentance of sin and faith in the atoning work of Christ. It brings forgiveness to the repentant and makes a participant of the divine nature and gives us peace with God. We believe in the church. We believe in the invisible and universal church as the living body of Christ, composed of all believers of the Lord Jesus who have been united by faith in Christ, the living head and sovereign Lord. We believe in different ordinances, two of them to be exact. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. We believe they are outward rites appointed by God, administered not as a means of salvation, but as a visible sign of our faith. We believe. Do you know what this church believes? I invite you to go to tnchurch.org. What I just read to you or shared with you, that's on our website. Know what we believe. Know what we believe about God's Word. We believe in the very active work of God's Spirit. We believe. I'm not calling this church to get radical and proactive military-like in responding to the issues. I'm challenging us to know what's going on by first standing firm on God's Word. Then choose not to bow down to false teaching. Instead, let's act in love. Let's look for opportunities to share God's truth, love, and grace and pass it forward. Church, God's Spirit is with you. God's Spirit is with you. He'll give you the strength you need to stand firm. The Spirit will give you the strength you need to stand firm, to remain faithful. He'll do His part. The question is, will we do our part? Will we do our part? I pray we will. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your truth. A lot of people stand on various things. A lot of times it's just opinions or something they heard their friends say or something they read somewhere. And it's scary, God, because there's so much floating around and we hear people say things. And 
when it comes down to it, we better know your word. I pray, God, that today your spirit is just speaking to us saying, get in my word more. If there's somebody in this room that doesn't have a Bible, I pray they come up and say, give me a Bible. We'll give you one. If somebody in this room needs a study Bible, Lord, let's go find them one. Somebody's having a hard time finding time to read the Bible. Lord, carve out time in their life so they can read. Lord, help us to look into your word, to study it, to stand firm in it. Because, Lord, we cannot just build a little box or find a little cave and hide in it as Christians and say, we'll just have our own little place. We're called to be salt and light and to go into this world. But to do that, God, we must be able to stand firm as we step out as we advance the gospel into our community and into this state, Lord, we do so standing firm on your word and your truth. God, we do this not to be prideful, not to say, hey, look at us, we're a biblical church. We do this because we're commanded to. Shame on us if we haven't. Forgive us, God. Help us move forward. God, today we receive your words as strength for our life. You've called us to do something great for you. And we're not going to let the devil or any circumstances step in our way because we're going to stand firm on your truth. In good times, bad times, in season, out of season, Lord, help us be instant. Help us be prepared. Help us to stand firm and strong, wiser, and more equipped for the future than we've ever been before. Lord, I pray that as this church is working on just renovating a building to move in, it's not just about making the outside look good, but Lord, I pray our church is strong foundationally in your word. And that people will come to know you and grow in you and be pacted for eternity because we chose to be obedient and standing firm. God, thank you for sending us your spirit. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, resurrecting from the dead, coming back to life, to give us new life. Thank you, God, for being the ultimate, almighty, sovereign Lord, creator God. We worship you now in song. In thy name we pray.